Proverbs. Turn to Proverbs chapter 25. And while you're turning there, let me mention that there are a lot of people that are believe like you do and believe in Jesus Christ all around this world, but they are persecuted. And they don't have the freedom that we have. And they suffer, whether they're in prisons, whether they're beaten, whether they are, uh, some of them martyred, their families, family members and all of the rest. And uh, I am just grateful for a display that Mark Goodspeed made. And it is out there by the prayer room. Listen, the prayer room is there for you and me to pray. Go, come into this prayer room anytime uh, that these, these uh, you know, buildings are open and uh, come and pray in the prayer room. But right beside the prayer room, there is a display to help us remember when we walk by it to pray for these persecuted people. And also there are some things that you can take out and learn a little bit more about that ministry. And so thank you, Mark, for making that. We appreciate your heart for the persecuted people. And may God help us to have a heart for uh, these dear ones across the, uh, across the world as well. Well, I'm in a series entitled Flies in the anointing. We're talking about things in life that God says keep it out of your life. We're talking about things that come into our life that we need to get out of our life or keep it away and out of our life. Keep it out. Why? In order to free things that can mess up our lives. And Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 he says, do not let that fly in. Don't let it in. And if it gets into the anointing of your life, make sure that it does not die. Get it out before it dies. If it dies in the anointing of your life, it'll stink it up. Last week, we looked at the fly of the, uh, of the corrupt thought life. I hope that you went back, listened to it again, took better notes, and got it all down so you can begin to have victory in your thought life. Today I want to look at the fly of uncontrolled anger. Uncontrolled anger. Our world is more angry and contentious than any time that I have lived. I've never known of our world to be more angry, more contentious, more out of control than today. You, if you don't believe that, just go and pick your favorite social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you want, and just read through and scroll through some of what people have to say. I came across an interesting statistic. In the year 2001, it is said that 10% of Americans were just angry. 10% in 2001. In 2016, guess what that number rose to? And this is a stat by Pew researchers. 2001, it was 10%. 2016, <laughs> 70% of Americans said that they were angry. I can't imagine what that stat is today. I can't imagine what it is today after COVID and all of the rest. Think about the rage that we live with in America today. There's road rage. There's political rage. There's financial rage. There's vaccine rage. Non-vaccine rage. 
parking lot rage. Some live with life rage. They're just angry all of the time. You know, anger flares itself suddenly, doesn't it? Anger flares powerfully and irrationally. People do things that they wouldn't normally do when they get out of control anger. I heard about the lady that was at the busy, busy uh, mall. Had to be somewhere around Christmas. The the article didn't tell us when, but it had to be. And it had to be at Kenwood Mall. (laughs) You know, I mean, you can't ever find it. And uh, she was waiting. She was next in line. A guy was pulling out. She was the only one that was waiting there. She was driving a Lexus, a nice car, and she was waiting to pull in. All of a sudden, some young dude in a sports car, nice sports car, came right on around her and pulled in, got out of his car. Well, she got out of her car too. And uh, she went up to him and said, what in the world do you think you are doing? Why would you do that, she said. He said, well, I guess because I'm young and quick. And he went on into the mall. But when he came out, she was still in her Lexus, putting it in reverse and ramming his car. Rammed it again. He ran over to her and he said, Lady, what in the world are you doing that for? She said, Because I guess I'm old and rich. (laughs) (laughs) Anger can get people to do crazy things. We all agree with that, right? Saw the ad in the paper, said wedding dress for sale, never worn, will trade for 38 caliber pistol. (laughs) Well, today I want you to gather in with me and I want you to look with me at the subject of uncontrolled anger. Proverbs chapter 25, read with me verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit... It's like a city that is broken down and without walls. It's unprotected. And then Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29 says this. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Now, before I move into this subject, I want to talk first of all about anger and its correctness. And yes, you heard me right, or you can read it on the screen. It's not a misprint. Anger and its correctness. So the question comes up, is anger always sin? Is all anger sin? And the answer to that is no, it is not. For Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Be ye angry, but sin not. You see, anger is like fire. It's like fire because it can do some good things if it's used correctly. Anger can, or or, or, uh, a fire can warm you. A fire can heat a room. A fire can cook your food. But a fire left to itself, it can become a raging inferno. 
destroying everything in its path. Did Jesus ever get angry? That's my question today. And the answer is yes. In fact, here's just one example. In Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, this story is quite interesting because the Pharisees, those religious hypocrites, they were always trying to trap Jesus. They were always trying to trick him. They were always trying to get him to sh- and show him. And, and how did he respond to those religious, pharisaical hypocrites? Here's one occasion. Verse 1. He entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there that had a withered hand. He had a disease. And the Pharisees, they watched him. They wanted to see whether Jesus would heal this man on the Sabbath day so that they could accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, don't you love Jesus? Don't you just love the way that nothing intimidated him? He was a man's man, and he stood up, and he did what he came to do. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hands, stand forth. Here's this crowd. They're there. They're trying to do everything they can to trick Jesus. And Jesus knows it. And he says to the man who has the withered hand, hey, stand up and come here. And he saith unto them, is it lawful? Is it right to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? Is it right, guys, to save life or to kill it? And then they held their peace. They didn't have an answer. And when he had looked round about on them, here we go, with anger, being grieved because of the hardness of their heart, he said unto the man, stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Now, the Pharisees didn't give a hoot about this man. The Pharisees didn't care a bit about this man who had a disease. All they were were hypocrites. All they were was wanting a following. And they didn't like Jesus because many people were following him. They hated Jesus and everything he stood for and everything that he did. They hated him for what he taught. Now the question is, was Jesus without sin? Yes or no? Let me ask you again. Was Jesus without sin? Yes. Next question, was Jesus without anger? No. No. Not at all. Jesus on this occasion and many other occasions, he became justifiably angry when he saw people that were being abused, when he saw people who were being misused, and when he saw people that were being stepped on. He got angry. What should make you angry? What should make me angry? We talked last week about pornography. The pornography industry ought to make us angry. You know why? Because all they care about is the almighty dollar. They don't give a hoot about you or your kids. The alcohol industry ought to make you angry. There are all kinds of things. How about the abuse of little children? Ought to make you angry. Abortion ought to make you furious for killing unborn babies. The sex-crazed, pornography-filled Hollywood industry ought to make you angry. Let me put it to you this way. 
It is not no anger. It is not blow anger. But rather it should be slow anger. Slow anger. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, don't keep your... I like what John Chrysostom said. He said this years ago, several centuries ago. He said, he that is angry without a cause sins. But he that is not angry when there is a cause sins. God is slow to anger. I'll tell you what's interesting. When God revealed himself to Moses up on Mount Sinai, do you remember how he revealed himself? It's very interesting. I don't, I, I don't really fully understand, but here's how he revealed himself. He said, I am the God, I am the God, thy God, slow to anger. That's how he revealed himself. You see, anger is not the opposite of love. Hate is the opposite of love. So let me ask you a question. What do you most defend? What do you defend in life the most? God is angry at sin. Do you know why? Because it harms the people that he loves. It's what harms us the most. So the first thing I want you to know before I really get on with my sermon is anger and its correctness. There are times where we should be angry. But let's talk some about anger and its contention. Are you the kind of person who gets angry suddenly? Are you that kind of person? And, and trust me, if in your heart right now you're saying I am, you're in good company because there are plenty of people who do. But some people will say and justify their anger by saying I've got red hair. Some people will justify their anger by saying I'm Irish. You ever met people and they brag about their short fuse? Some people are almost proud of their temper and they say things like, hey, man, that's just the way I am. And they go on blowing their stack often. Will Rogers said it this way. He said, people who fly into a rage seldom have a good landing. <laughs> that's true. So let's listen to what God says about the fly of anger. Let's go to the book of wisdom, Proverbs, okay? And let's just list off a few of the many verses that Solomon says and what he says about anger. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Proverbs 15, 18, a wrathful, angry man stirreth up strife. Proverbs 25, verse 8, go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor has put thee to shame. In other words, don't start arguing and don't become angry before you hear the whole matter of your, uh, of your uh, enemy or of your neighbor. Proverbs 29, verse 20, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? 
Talking about anger, there's more hope of a fool than of him. Proverbs 19, 19, a man of great wrath or anger shall suffer punishment, for if thou delivers that kind of man, he just goes and does it again. How does anger show itself? Well, in numerous forms, right? Anger can show itself in a lot of different ways, but, but two of those ways, number one, a lot of people, they just clam up. You know, they won't talk. They won't, uh, they won't uh, talk to you. They just go and they seethe and they pout and they sulk. They refuse to face the issue. You ever have somebody that you wanted to try to uh, just talk with them and try to reason with them and set up a meeting where you can kind of hash out that your, your differences, but they won't talk to you? You ever have somebody that you go and maybe you knock on their door or you knock at their office and just say, I know that we've got a problem, but can we talk this out? And they get up and they just leave. They refuse to solve the issues. Did you know that anger causes health problems? Did you know that medical reports show that anger is worse on the body than any other emotion? They say that nothing deteriorates your body and nothing hurts your actual heart like anger. It'll affect every relationship in your life. Some people, they just clam up and they seethe within. Other people, however, they don't clam up. They what? They blow up. They just blow up. Gets out of control. They blow up in their actions. They blow up in their words. They blow up in their attitude. They just blow up. Some people clam up. Some people blow up but they have anger. Now, I want to take a detour for a second, and I want to talk about a sensitive subject. I want to talk just for a moment about what do we do when we are angry at God? What do we do when we are so tempted to be angry with God? Do you cut off communication with him? Like some people do, somebody that didn't do what they said they would do? Do you stop praying? Do you stop reading? What do you do when you feel like God has let you down? You've carried that baby for eight months or nine months only to miscarry. You married somebody who said that they were saved and pretended like they were saved, but when you said, I do, it wasn't until shortly afterwards that they surely didn't act like anything like they did before you married them. And maybe they walked out on you. What do you do? Maybe they ended up abusing you. What do we do when we prayed for, you prayed for your mom, you prayed for your dad, you prayed for your spouse who was sick, and God didn't answer with a yes. 
and emotions have distanced you from God. Let me just address it for a minute, okay? I want to first of all say that God is a big God. God is not like you and me where we get our feelings hurt. God is a big God and he's handled everything imaginable. God can handle your frustrations. God can handle your pain and God can handle even your seeming anger at him. Psalm 44 verse 21 says, Shall not God search this out? Listen, because he knoweth the secrets of your heart. He says in Psalm 86 verse 15, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion. You're full of grace, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and in truth. I want to tell you, listen, God does not deserve my anger. But he understands my emotions. And there's a difference. People have asked me, um, Pastor, have you been angry at God? I try, you know, I, uh, sometimes I wish I wasn't on live stream because I could talk to you more like a family and I don't know who's watching. People have asked me, are you angry at God? And I think I can honestly say, no. I, don't, I think if you were to ask any of my kids, my son, sons-in-law, my grandchildren, I don't think they would say, yeah, I think he's struggling with anger. I don't think they would say that. Struggle with confusion, disappointment, and all the other things. But I want to tell you a story which I did not plan to tell today. I'm pretty much... I go by my notes that I've really prayed about and planned out. So maybe I'm making a mistake by telling you this. I don't know. But I've had a whole lot happen in my life in the last 10 months. A whole lot. One of them was to tear my Achilles. How many of you have ever torn your Achilles? Raise your hand. Okay, I see one hand. Anybody else? Two? All right. When I tore my Achilles, it's like somebody took a board and slapped it on the floor in the gym. I mean, seriously, that's what it sounded like. I mean, it just, and it was painful. And I laid there and thought, I've sprained my ankle many times and messed my foot up in sports many, 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 many times, and I'll just get up. I couldn't get up. Three days later, I had surgery. And eight days after that, I was wheeling around on my scooter in my bedroom, and as you know, did a wheelie, and all of my weight, every bit of my weight went on that surgically repaired tendon. Not on two legs, not on two feet, one leg. I laid on that floor, and it's kind of funny now. Trust me, it was not funny then. I laid on that floor in my open, fairly sized, where the sink and bathroom and all that is, laid on the floor with that scooter right on top of me. 
<laughs> it was funny. It is funny. It wasn't funny. I could have took that scooter and thrown it all the way across the room and through the window. I laid on the floor, and I'm going to tell you, I cried out to God, not tears. But I cried out a whole lot of questions. The first thing that went through my mind, if you're on live stream, go to the restroom. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing that went through my mind is, God, you can't even keep my foot from dashing against a stone. And I said it to him. I yelled out, how in the world much more do you want me to take? Was I angry? To say the least. Do you think any of the men of the Old Testament or women of the Old Testament or New Testament ever got angry at God? Listen to a few of them. Moses said in Exodus chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, and Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, why hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? Why am I here? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he hath done evil to your people. You haven't delivered thy people at all. Let me ask you a question. Does he sound angry? Jeremiah, you probably haven't studied Jeremiah a whole lot, but Jeremiah was a great man of God, a prophet of God, and he stood alone and he didn't get to see much fruit for his ministry. On one occasion, he cried out these words in Jeremiah 20, Cursed be the day wherein I was born. What? You better be careful, Jeremiah. Let not the day wherein my mother bear me Don't let that day be blessed. In other words, cursed be my birthday. Cursed be the man who brought tidings to my father, saying, a man-child is born unto thee, making him very glad. Does that guy sound angry to you? How about David? Every single solitary day being haunted and chased down by the king most powerful man in the land. And he said in Psalm 13, verse 1, how long, Lord, are you going to forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart? How often? Daily. Every day. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten mine eyes. In other words, lighten up my burden, lest I die the sleep of death. Question. Does he sound angry to you? Does he? Can I just tell you, it's okay to be honest with God. I fear lest anybody walk out of here misunderstanding what I'm saying. Hey, you want to know what I did after I got up off the floor and got over to my bed and then got over to the bed and sat in a chair? Are you listening? all day long reading the book of Job 
You want to know what I did after I got angry? I prayed it through. Because God's on my side. And I'm on his side. I prayed it through. You want to know what I did after that? The same thing you ought to do. Think it through. God never promised me no suffering. In fact, really, didn't he promise us all just the opposite? And number three, talk it through. Talk to other godly people when you are struggling with anger at God. I want you to notice with me anger and its consequences. James 1.19 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger or wrath. Hey, you can blow up. You can feel guilty. You can go and apologize. But you can't ever get those words back, can you? Can't do it. There is so much, my friend, to lose, and that's why I say to you and repeat to you what the wisest man who ever lived said, make sure you get the fly of anger out of your life. There's so much to lose. You can lose your friends. Your friends aren't going to handle your anger all that long. You can lose your job. You can go tell your boss off if you want. He may not take it so well. You can lose your wife. She may get sick and tired of it and walk out. You can lose your children. Oh, they're not going anywhere for a while. Where are they going to go? But I want to tell you, there's a whole lot of kids that don't love coming home anymore when they get off and on their own because of anger. I'll never forget, somebody brought a sixth, sixth grade kid to me to talk to me. They were hoping he would open up. For some reason, I, I've, God's given me the gift to usually get people to open up to me. Teenagers would tell me just about anything when I was a youth pastor. Joy would always say, well, I can't believe they tell you all that. This kid was only in sixth grade. I'd never in my life ever seen a kid filled with anger that age like this. I tried to get him to open up. I couldn't get him to open up for anything. He sat there with his head down, his arms folded, scowl on his face, wouldn't speak. And finally he spoke. You know what he said? I hate my dad. Sixth grade. You know why he hated his dad? He said, because of the way my dad talks to me and yells at me. You can lose your kids. And you may not even know it until they're gone. You can lose your health. You can lose your testimony. I'm just saying, folks, if the fly of uncontrolled anger 
is in the anointing of your life. Get it out. You know why? Because God says when you don't, you give place to the devil. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. He goes on in verse 30 and 31, and he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Hey, do you want to grieve the Spirit of God in your life if you're a child of God? I sure don't. I don't want to do anything to grieve the Spirit. I need the Spirit of God. I need His filling. But you know what he says? Don't grieve the Spirit of God. And then he says this, let all bitterness, let all wrath, let all anger, let all clamor, let all evil speaking be put away out of your life with all malice. I did a study some time ago, which I'll not do and repeat to you today. All I want to do is tell you the words. In fact, someone has said, and someone has done you wrong, and that anger begins to burn within you. But unresolved anger, according to Paul, says, when you don't resolve that, you're taking a welcome mat out that says welcome and inviting the devil in. You wouldn't do that. Nobody here would do that. Nobody watching online would do that. But when we do not get the fly of anger out of our life, Paul says that's what we're doing. There are six steps he gives to disaster. Let me just list the words and explain it to you just with a definition. Bitterness. What is bitterness? It's a feeling of resentment that we have when we think we have been wronged. Last week I said that bitterness is called the sin of innocence. Let me tell you how. You can be an innocent party. You can be somebody who wants to resolve the conflict but that other person comes and screams at you and abuses you and cusses at you and you've never had anybody get in your face like that and you've had them wreck something in your life and mess it up. Maybe you lost your job because of some knucklehead that's filled with their anger. So all of a sudden, what happens? It starts inside of us. And it just is. You know what it is? It's underground. In fact, that's what... Paul said, in, or the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 12, that's exactly what he said, that bitterness is a root of bitterness. Where's the root at, underground? You ever had to fight bitterness? I sure have. I've had people say things to me, it's like, number one, what's the deal? What, what, like, like, where's that coming from? And number two, who do you think you are? And number three, you know, have you ever seen five knuckles? That's the way you feel. So what do you do? You better fight it. Bitterness is like, someone said, bitterness is like one drinking poison and then waiting for the other pe uh, person to die. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. Bitterness. Number two, wrath. Wrath is feeling a slow burn. A fire starts inside and it smolders in the heart. Someone said anger is more of an acid on the person on which it is stored than it is on the person on which it is poured. And then number three, anger. Anger is the wrath that is inside smoldering and now it bursts out into the open. And then the next step is clamor. Clamor is, is uh, you know, what anger sounds like. It's loud speech and crying and shouting and screaming and yelling and 
and then evil speaking, saying things you don't really mean. I hate you. I wish we'd never married. I want a divorce. You're a miserable child. You'll never amount to anything. Things you don't really mean, but the anger inside of you and the words come out. How should we respond? Well, the book of Proverbs says a soft answer turns away wrath. And then the third, a sixth thing is malice. Malice is a desire now to, for revenge, a desire to hurt. I read recently about a woman who didn't have a lot of money, but she was fine. She didn't have a lot of means, but she was average, you know, average person with wealth. And she wanted to downsize. She wanted to move out into the country into a smaller home. She didn't have a lot of means, but she did have something that was super valuable, a Stradivarius violin. She had found out the value of it, and it was up around hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, close to probably over a million dollars. She had asked her kids to come and help her downsize and to move out into the country, but every time she asked them, they were always busy and they always had excuses and never showed up. She said that when they would reach out to her through the years as an adult, that she said they didn't inquire much about her, but they sure ask often about that violin. Finally, she got a friend to help her move. She moved out into the country, into her smaller house, and when she got moved in, at the end of the day, she built a bonfire. She handed her phone to her friend and said, please film this, record this. She stood with the violin in her hand, the bonfire behind her, and she began to speak. She said, this is for my two sons and my daughter who didn't care much about me, only this violin. And then she said, hey, enjoy your inheritance, and boom, threw it in the fire. Well, the moral of the story, number one, is be nice to your mother. <laughs> number two, number two, always be careful what you throw into the flames of your anger and your resentment. She could have sold that thing. She could have given it to First Baptist Church, you know. <laughs> Cain, the son in the first family, that dude burned his treasure when he slew his brother. Saul, in anger, he burned a treasure when he turned on David, his most loyal friend. Saul, in his anger, then burned another treasure when he took his javelin and he threw it, striving and trying to kill Jonathan. His son. How about Haman? Remember, oh, Haman? Haman in anger, he built the gallows in anger. He wanted to kill Mordecai. 
only to have it all turned on him and he died in the gallows and 10 family members. Our families are our great treasures. And yet out of great anger so often we burn the treasure. Sometimes it's over serious things. Sometimes it's over silly things. Sometimes it's over very temporal things. I can't imagine how many funerals I've done. I, 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 hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of funerals. I've been by the bedside of many, many people before they died. Never one time yet, not one time ever, did I have somebody say, I wish I would have only had more money. Never one time have I ever yet heard one soul say, I wish my house were bigger. Not one single solitary time have I ever heard anyone say, I just wish I could have driven better cars. Never. The only thing I have ever heard them talk about is faith and family. That's it. Friend, the fly of anger can cause devastating consequences. One last thing. Anger and it's conquering. How, how do we conquer anger? Because here's the deal. Some of you, you felt guilty this whole morning. Some of you have had that fly in your life for so long. Some of you have sat here and thought, I have tried and tried. I can't help it. I can't get victory. I've tried in the past. I fail. I get back up. I do it again. I fail. I can't do it. Question, can you get your anger turned around or is this just a wasted sermon? Can you get your anger turned around and under control? You can. There's five steps for victory over anger. Number one, first of all, recognize it. Some people have made excuses all of their life over their anger. They'll never get victory until they recognize it and admit they have a sin problem. Number two, repent. Ask God for forgiveness. If it's sin, ask him to forgive. Number three, renounce the devil. Renounce the devil. James 4, 7, and 8 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Number four, reverse it. How do I reverse my anger? What are you talking about? Romans chapter 12, verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, Amen. feed him. Now we've gone too far. Boom, I ain't doing that. If he thirst, go give him cold, good water. Why? God says, well, I'll tell you what. You do that and you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Some of you are like, okay, now I'm in. 
Number five, and this may be as important as anyone I've mentioned, now rely on the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians 4, verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, if you read that verse slowly and you really pick it apart and you think about it and you journal that and you study that, it's like I'm supposed to be tenderhearted, I'm supposed to forgive, I'm supposed to do that like God forgave me. I can't do that. You're right. Hey, let's all admit it. We can't do that. But the grace of God and the grace that he gives his people, it is not the natural way for me to have my grace to forgive, but it is the supernatural way. And the supernatural way is the God way, and so I've got to have the Holy Spirit of God filling me in order to forgive. Hey, 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 are you understanding You're not capable, I'm not capable, nobody's capable. But the Holy Spirit of God can move in our heart and in our soul. You may have children that have hurt you. You may have children that have disappointed you. You may have grown children that have abandoned you. I talked to somebody this past week. He said, my grown child doesn't contact me, doesn't visit me, doesn't give a hoot about me. What do you do now? Because I'm going to tell you right now, most of you have parented And you know how much time you put into your kids and how much prayer you put into your kids and how much effort you put into your kids and nothing means more than your kids. And when they get older and you say to me, my kids won't even talk to me, they don't call me, they don't care about me, what do you do? Let me give you a choice. You love them anyway or throw them in the fire. You may have parents that have disappointed you. You have a choice. As now a parent yourself or an adult, they have disappointed you and they haven't been the parent, you can love them or you can throw them in the fire. I want to tell you something. Our home is our Stradivarius violin. Our marriage is our Stradivarius violin. Don't throw your family in the fire. Control your words. Control your actions. Control what you do. Control Billy Graham put it this way. He said, God's job is to judge. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict. Our job is to love. 
I'm not talking about lowering your standards because people come to me and ask me all the time of my advice on things that are over the top and the sin that is so out there and now they're, you know, wanting to come and, and I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about lowering your standards. I'm not talking about you have to let uh, your uh, children and your different ones do the things that you have stood against all of your life on biblical principles. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying love. You know why? Because love never fails. Love never fails. God loves me the same whether I'm in fellowship with him or out of fellowship with him. Oh, he's disappointed if we're out of fellowship. He doesn't bless us in the same fashion he does when we're in fellowship. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things are added unto you. But I am grateful as I had somebody come to me, first service, end of the service, said I've gotten so far away from God, I don't know if God's patience is still there for me. No, 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 no. God never leaves us nor forsakes us. We leave him. God is in the same place no matter where we are. And so I tell you today, guard your heart because out of the heart are the issues of life. Friend, anger will destroy them that we love. And anger will destroy us. One last thing. Let me tell you a story. One day, many years ago, a man was beaten and he was tortured. He was then taken and he was spat upon. He endured every single solitary insult imaginable to man. He was then taken and hung on a cross after being nailed there. The blood uh, flowed from every single part of his body. He could have yelled out, Curse them! But instead, he cried out, Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When Jesus Christ chose that reaction, the greatest of all miracles took place. You got anger? 
for whatever reason. Swat that fly away. Z anger sitting in the ointment of your soul. Reach on in. Get it out. And with God's forgiveness and God's supernatural grace, let the Spirit of God do what He can do and give you victory in your life once again. Father, You are a God who loves us in such a way that is not understandable. Lord, you have forgiven so many of us of so much. You, by your grace, your supernatural grace, have put us in a situation and a place in our lives that we could never imagine. Standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. You've delivered us from our sin. You've loved us that way. But Lord, sometimes it's easy for us, so easy for us, to let the fly of anger get in our lives. So we're asking and praying that today you might give victory over that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. I am so glad that you joined us today on our online campus. If you made a decision for Jesus Christ to receive Christ as your personal Savior, or if you decided that you wanted to be all in for Jesus Christ, we would love for you to click the share button so that we can rejoice with you and even pray for you. Thank you so much for joining us on our online campus today. And we trust that you'll join us again soon.